This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. Amen. Psalms 107. And we've been talking about, of course, uh, authority and the superpower of words. Everybody say superpower. Now, isn't it just like God to not leave us on this planet without a superpower? We have a superpower. It has been untapped in for the most part by the body of Christ. And listen, if you don't use your superpower, then, then, you know, you're going to get beat up. Amen. You got to use what God gives you. And, uh, but I want to, and then the last couple of sessions, we've been talking about how we act or react when we're in storms. So we're going to go here to Psalms 107 and we're going to go to verse 21. And I want you to kind of see a couple of things here tonight that I want to, I want to steer you. Now I know that what I'm going to preach, a lot of you know it, but I think it's, I think, I think I want to give you some more foundation for it. So you'll have even a stronger sense of it. So here in Psalms 107, verse 21, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. It's almost like a longing in that verse. Oh, that men would do it. Verse 22, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships that they do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. He makes the storm a calm. You ought to really circle that. And I'm going to talk about some other things in a minute. So that the waves thereof are still... Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he brings them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. So this little passage where it starts and ends in the same place. But I want to show you a couple of things about this passage that are really important. I I, I first of all want to point out how little knowledge that people in the Old Testament had to what God did and what God didn't do. And I've pointed it out to you before, but you have to get hold of this. And it's really important that you see in the Old Testament that just about everyone assumed that anything that happened, God had a hand in it. Just about anything that happened, they believed if something bad happened, it came from God. If something good happened, it came from God. In this passage... It even says that, you know, these storms, they come from God. It's really telling you that in this passage, the writer is saying, based on his information and his knowledge, 
that apparently even the storms come from God. Now, I want to I pause on that for a moment because we have to understand that just because it's written in the Bible here, that is not necessarily what God does. Now, I know you know this, but I'm going to give you some foundation tonight. I'm going to take you into a couple of places we probably haven't gone yet. And this is really important because if you ever get confused about what God does, it's going to be difficult for you to pray the right prayer when you do get in trouble. Because if you've got the thought in the back of your head that God sent the storm, God sent the sickness, God sent the disease, God sent, you know, the, the problem, God, God did all, God caused all this trouble in your life. You're not, it's going to be really hard for you to have a lot of faith to believe how to come out of it. Now, I want to point out something else here that was very obvious in the Old Testament for the most part. When a storm did come, they relied on God to deal with the storm. Are you hearing me? You notice how they said, then they cried unto the Lord and the Lord dealt with the storm. So we see this, this situation mainly and almost, well, it really is all in the Old Testament. First of all, people were confused and thought that anything that happened came from God, good and evil, and they thought when a storm would come that God would have to deal with it for it to change. Are you hearing me? Now, that is really an important, um, this is an important point that I'm making right here because they still hadn't learned, most of them had not learned a lot about authority, personal authority, and they hadn't learned a lot about confession. Now you say, but with the Old Testament, we've been reading a lot of it's in there. Yeah, it's in there, but remember not, not everybody had access to the Bible like we do. Are you listening to me? So again, if they, you heard me say this last week, if they didn't have a prophet in the area, I'm, I'm talking about a real prophet. There were a lot of false prophets, by the way, in the Bible. There are a lot of false prophets in the land today. Trust me. Um, so for them to understand the word of God, if they didn't walk with God closely, they just assumed that everything happening to them was God's will. And again, this is a really important point because we'll, we'll show you in a minute. They assumed too, the only way to get out of trouble was to cry unto the Lord. Now, there's nothing wrong with crying out to God when you're in trouble. There's nothing wrong with asking God for help when you're in trouble. The Bible tells us we can do that. But I want to show you how in the Old Testament, that was the only way they knew how to deal with it. Are you listening to me? Now go to Job. That's the book before this. And... Uh, we could read, we're going to read a fair amount in Job tonight, but, but we could go way back and we could read a lot of chapters and verses prior to chapter 38, which is one of the latter chapters. And uh, you have to understand, Job has this horrible storm that comes into his life. It attacks his family, it kills some family members. It attacks his finances, it kills his stock. It eventually even attacks his physical body and he has boils all over his body. And Job, along with everybody around him, assumed that God did it. 
But if you read carefully in Job chapter 1, it was not God at all. It was Satan who came. And once he found out that Job was already, the hedge was down, then he went after him. And what God said is, but you can't take his life. He did have a covenant of life. So what happens then when he begins to get attacked and these personal things start to happen to his family, some family members die and his body gets sick and he loses his money and, and therefore he loses a lot of credibility. Now all of a sudden, everybody is saying, look what God has done to you. You must have done something really bad. His wife says you might as well curse God and die. Now let me just say, we don't need a spouse like that. And you don't need to be a spouse like that. Maybe I should say that differently because somebody be trying to get rid of somebody. So let me, let me rephrase this. You don't need to be a spouse like that. If trouble comes to your house, comes to your family, comes to your spouse, you don't need to be the one saying, go ahead and curse God and die. You need to be the one to say, no, in the name of Jesus. We're not having this in our household. Amen. So now Job begins to speak out about what's happening to him. We see it in many chapters. We won't go there tonight, but we see it in a lot of chapters. I'm troubled, my anguish. And the Bible says he complained about it. Now he never did charge God foolishly. There was a point where he would not let his tongue go to the point that it would take the hedge of protection away from his life. That never went down and that's why he lived through all of it. Thank God. You should never curse your own life. But pastor, you don't know what happened to me. But here's what I can tell you. It's happened to hundreds of thousands just like you. Now, I'm not trying to minimize anybody's hurt, anybody's grief, anybody's what, what took place in your life. But I'm just trying to say that God knows how to help every single one of us overcome whatever we've gone through. Now, I'm saying some things tonight that could really help you. So, so now, then of course, all of his friends chime in and we have, if you read the prior chapters, there's Eliphaz, the, the Tidbite and all these guys, they come out and they come out of the woodwork and they all start judging Job and they all start talking about it. So it's all out there and the summation still is God did it all. God's the one that took your family. God's the one that made you sick. God's the one that, that's caused you to have, you know, all the problems you're having and that's where they are with the whole thing. Then we get to chapter 38 and God's had enough of it. And God said, I've listened to you rail about this for a long time and I've had enough. You know, there's a point where God will have enough of your complaining. Now the world has another word for it that we can't use in church. He said the B word. No, I didn't. You thought it. But God will only put up with so much of it. And then we get to chapter 38. Then the Lord answered. Everybody say the Lord answered. Okay. And he answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Who, who are you? You've been saying a lot of stuff. You've been assuming a lot of things. You've been making a lot of charges. Right? 
I mean, you've been, you've been saying a lot of stuff here and who are you to say this when you obviously don't know what you're talking about? Now, all we have to do, now remember, Job could not go back to chapter one at this time, but we can go back to chapter one and we realize that it was not God. But God said, I need to straighten you out here and I need to get something straight in your mind. You've been saying a lot of things that you thought you knew about, but you were wrong. Can you shout amen? amen? Then he says, gird up now your loins like a man. He said, stand up because I'm, I'm about to wear you out. Gird up your loins like a man for I'm going to demand of you and answer you me. And then he goes through this long, long discourse. Of where were you when I did this? And where were you when I made the sun? And where were you when I laid the foundations? And where were you when I protected? And he goes through the animal kingdom. He goes through the plant kingdom. He goes through the solar system. And he talks about how I made it all and it worked perfectly. And it was in harmony. And I made it to, I made it to prosper. And it was man that caused the downfall. It wasn't me. Are you listening? Go to chapter 40. Now God is going on and on and on. Then we get to chapter 40, verse 1, and God says, nope, I'm not done yet. Because he says, moreover, the Lord answered Job and said. Now, Job hadn't said anything yet. Job, Job has not met, had a word in yet. But God said, whoop, shh, shh. Everybody say, shh. Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall he that contends with the Almighty instruct him? Are you trying to tell me how to be God? He that reproves God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, After all of this, he says, Behold, I am vile. <laughs> Amen? Boy, because he, God, laid him out. God turned on the light. That's why we need to serve the God of science and not science. God is omniscient. Only God is omniscient, meaning all knowing. Amen. I am vile. What shall I answer you? Now, we've read this part before. He said, I will lay my hand on my mouth. Job realized he'd been saying a lot of things that were completely wrong. Are you hearing me? Okay. He said, once have I spoken, but I will not answer. Yea, twice, but I will proceed no further. So there comes a point in our walked as human beings, but really as Christians, where we have to realize that, that sometimes we are wrong. And, we are, and we're wrong about God. We have to get that in our heart and head. Well, I've got to quit saying, God, where were you? And God, why didn't you stop it? And God, why didn't you, why did you let this happen to me? And God, you know, we've, there comes a point where we have to come to a reckoning where we say, I got to shut up because I don't know what I'm talking about. Can you say amen? Chapter 41, you're right there by it. Verse 33, 
Upon earth, there is not his like. That is a huge scripture that you ought to, you ought to, just, you ought to just memorize that scripture. That one right there seems a little, but it's big. Who is made without fear. So he, he said, no one on earth is like God. And when we start comparing God to people on this earth, we're always going to mess it up. There is no one on this earth we can compare to God. It doesn't matter if they're the greatest, they're the biggest, the most famous, the richest. None of that stuff matters. There is none on earth like him. So if we're going to use human reasoning to try to understand him, we're always going to mess it up some. Can you shout amen? Verse 34, he beholds all high things. So anything you think is high, God is over it. He is not equal to it. It certainly is not equal to him. He is over it. That's why he's called the almighty God. The king of kings. The Lord of lords. Amen. Now... I said all this to try to get us to a place tonight. So let's move back for a moment. So number one, we've got to quit blaming the evil in our life on God. Now, when I say that, I know some of you say, I know, but, but we're, I promise you, if you don't watch it, you'll still do it. When you start the, why is this happening to me? Why did this come on my family? How come I, you know, because really, when you do that, you're pointing the finger at God. So we got to deal with that. Amen. We got to make sure that we deal with that. And then the second part of this is we've got to get to the point where we realize, yes, if I cry out to God, he'll help me. Yes, if I cry out to God, he'll deliver me. Of course, that's all in the Bible. It's certainly all over the Old Testament. But at some point, we've got to do something. Now, let's go to Job 42. Let's see what happens. Does God fix everything for Job? The answer is yes, but not quite. Because in Job 42, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no thought can be withholden from you. Now, Job has listened to and gotten some wisdom now. Who is he that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, have I uttered that that I understood not. Things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. And again, that is the problem with man trying to solve all the problems of life because they try to do it without God. Now, just because somebody praise a flowery prayer does not mean they're walking with God. I've been pastor for 44 years. Do not be deceived by people that throw a scripture out here, there, and yonder. Amen. Because if you walk with God, you're going to do things that God wants you to do. And you're going to do things sometimes that make you look kind of silly. And that don't necessarily, that people around you will not understand when you do it. 
Can you shout amen? amen? I use Pastor Ginger and myself all the time as, as, you know, there were some similarities between us, but really there were more things different than there were similar about the two of us. And us coming together was really, in a lot of people's eyes, that was strange and weird and uh, what in the heck are you guys thinking? Because there is difference in age, which is not really much of a factor, but there were a lot of, there's just a lot of things that just, and we had family members and we had other people. And then you got the good, then of course you got the devil. Now, if you're about to do something that God wants you to do, you better believe the devil's going to fight you before you do it. Ah, man, I remember when we finally started to move towards out of friendship into, hey, I believe we got some feelings going on here. I remember when that, that process came, but I also remember how the devil tried to interrupt all that stuff. Are, are you hearing me? But because we wanted God, we wanted to do what God wanted us to do about this thing. God got involved and God opened our eyes and gave us the knowledge to see what we need to see. Now, look at verse, so, so notice what he says here. Uh, verse four, Joe said, here I beseech you and I will speak. I will demand of you and declare you unto me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees it. Job said basically this, I had secondhand knowledge of you. See, I'd heard somebody talk about you, but now I know who you are. And now I know what you're about. And no longer will I let anyone else shape your opinion, uh, my opinion about you. And that's where we've got to be. If we're going to walk in the high things of God, we cannot let anyone else shape our opinion of God. Even some Christians, we cannot let them shape our opinion of God. We certainly can't let the world shape our opinion of God. Job had a reckoning and he received knowledge. And then we know what happens. You know, uh, God tells him, you know, you got some friends that are in, in jeopardy too, by the way. They've been saying a lot of stuff. You don't need to read it. The next few verses, God points that out and he said, you better, you better put an offer now for them because they've also been walking the tightrope. And so in verse 10, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came there unto him all his brethren. Now, where were they at when he was in trouble? They were out here judging him. But then they, all his brethren, all his sisters, and all they that had been of his acquaintance before and did eat bread with him in his house, they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil. Now this is, notice where they're at, that the Lord had brought him, which God didn't bring it. But notice how they haven't gotten to where Job is. But Job's moved away, notice this, but they all brought him an offering and the Bible says that the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning and then he had seven daughters, uh, sons and three daughters and then you can read all of about. And then after this, the Bible says Job lived another 140 years. Now he was on death's door not long before. What was the difference here? The difference was he quit blaming God. He quit misjudging God. He quit misjudging God's character. He quit blaming all the storm of his life on God. Amen. 
Then he began to say the right thing. He got his words right. And when he got his words right, the power of God clicked on. And when he began to pray, not only did his life change, but the lives of all those around him. Can you shout amen? So when Job got an understanding of God's ways, number one, in other words, he began to understand, oh, God is not the one who strikes you with sickness and, 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 and kills your family and lets bad things happen to you. Oh, now that I got, when, when he understood God's ways and he changed his words, his whole life changed. And that will be the same for you and the same for me. Listen, as much as you want your life to change, I, I'm going to pound it in you. We are pounding the rock, bless God. If I have to pound it till Jesus comes. I'm telling you, until you change your words, you're not changing your life. And you can't change them one day and take them back the next. You can't be in faith one minute and fear the next. Faith attracts God. Faith attracts healing. Faith attracts prosperity. Faith attracts the angels. Faith attracts life. On the other hand, fear attracts the devil. Fear attracts sickness. Fear attracts poverty. Fear attracts darkness. Job said in the early part here, we really find out what, what really happened anyway. He said, the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. Now, I'm not saying that anybody who's had been diagnosed with COVID, I'm not, so please don't take this as a blanket statement. But I will say this, that people that have been afraid they're going to get COVID, just about every one of them's gotten it. Because fear attracts what you're afraid of. Amen. It will attract what you're afraid of. If you feel yourself getting into fear about something, you need to deal with that thing right now. Say, I want that thing around here. Can you shout amen? Deuteronomy. Everybody say, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. I'm not taking you on the road. We used to sing this song, I told you, uh, Brother Copeland back in the early 90s. Lynn Mink was his worship leader back then and they, they made a song out of Deuteronomy and I told you this before, they kind of did it like a Beach Boys feel. And it said, Deuteronomy, 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 all the blessings of Abraham are mine, so fine. And you have people back going, Deuteronomy, you know, you know so kind of cool. All right but you can't go on the road with me. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 11. And let's look at verse 18. Therefore shall you lay up, God speaking here, these, my words, say his words, in your heart and in your soul. Man, that's why I have to keep bringing this word to you because I've got to get it past your head. I've got to get it, get it past your mind. We've got to get it down in our heart, in our soul. And bind them for a sign upon your hand. They would, even little reminders, these little phylacteries they would wear around their head or even on their hand. That they may be as frontless between your eyes. Uh, uh, traditional Jewish people, you'll see them sometimes have a little leather thing that has, actually has scripture. And you will write them upon the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. In other words, God says, I want you to do whatever it takes. I want you to put my word where you'll see it 
and be reminded of it. Amen. That's why a little dab won't do you on Sunday morning. I just, I, I, I have always openly admitted I'm not a good enough preacher to give you what you need in 30 or 40 minutes to overcome the storms of this life. I'm just not that good. Maybe there's some out there that are a lot better than me. Maybe they can do it for you, but I'm telling you, it usually doesn't work that way. You better have this stuff where you see it every day. And you do. Alexa, your phone, your Bluetooth, your car. We don't have any excuses. But we got to listen to Fox and MSNBC. Let them poison our spirit. Make us hate half the people in the country. Instead of getting into the word. And I am never going to stop pointing that out. Because we're too late in the game to have drink poison one minute and sweet water the next. The Bible says bitter and sweet water cannot flow out of the same fountain. I do not watch the news and I will not watch the news. I don't have time for it. My God, the devil make you hate people for dumb reasons. Amen. Yeah, that's called a fastball up and in. And you will write it on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates that, listen to this. Now, I'm just going to ask you, do you want what I'm about to read here? That your days may be multiplied. That the days of your children, you want that? Your children to be multiplied? The days, of, the days of your children in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. Somebody ought to shout right now. The days of heaven. I want heaven on, I want heaven on this earth. I know what the earth thinks already. I know how they're twisted and mean and spiteful and vengeful. And I don't need to hear them get me sucked into it at all. I want to put the word of God where I'll see it and hear it and speak it and believe it and get it out of my heart. When the storm comes, I don't have to go looking for my Bible. I don't have to go looking for a scripture. It just pours out of my mouth. Because whatever you put in your heart is coming out of your mouth. Amen. As the days of heaven. On the earth. Man, that one scripture is worth coming to church for. That one scripture right there is worth coming to church for. Amen. Psalm 25. Go back to the middle of your Bible. Now see, we're in all new territory tonight. You thought I'd go to Genesis tonight, didn't you? We won't even get there tonight, praise God. But we might one day again. Everybody say praise the Lord. Psalm 25, verse 4. Show me your ways. O Lord, teach me your paths. That's what I'm after. I want to know God's ways. I already know the world's ways. I already know that. Teach me your ways, oh Lord. Show me your ways and teach me your paths. I want to go the way God wants me to go. Amen. Psalm 81. If you love the Lord, shout amen. amen. Pastor William. Pastor Ginger, you know, I'm at a point now where Pastor Ginger, she's not here tonight to get up here and prepare you for me. Oh, he's going he's gonna to be, be a little bit rough and tough. Folks, we don't have time anymore to, to just goof around, kid around about everything. You know what I'm talking about. Live the soft life. Amen. Be caught up in the world. You know what the Bible says about the word of God in Mark chapter 4? 
It says one of the main things that will choke the word out of your life is the cares of this world. And cares just not just doesn't just mean your bills and your obligations. It just means anything that everybody out there is all caught up into, you get caught up into it. The Bible says the cares of this world and the lust of other things entering in choke the word. So you could already have the word in you, but it will choke the word in your heart and in your life. And it'll make it of no effect. You, you still have the word, but it's been choked. Amen. Psalm 81, verse 10. I am the Lord your God. Now he's, he's kind of letting everybody know here. He's reminding them. Which brought you out of the land of Egypt. Listen to this next part. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Whew. Wow. Now he's not just talking about food here. I don't believe he's just talking about food. He'll certainly feed your body. But he said, open your mouth wide. That's what I, Lord, feed me. I, I want your word in my mouth. Amen. Look at verse 11. But my people would not hearken to my voice and Israel would none of me. In other words, they didn't want any part of it. So I gave them up into their own hearts lusts and they walked in their own counsels. God said, I tried. But they said, no, we want to we want to follow who we want to follow. We want to say what we want to say. And God said, have at it. Here you go. Go for it. Verse 13. Oh, that my people had hearkened unto me and Israel had walked in my ways. Now, are you ready for this? God said, oh, that if you would have just walked in my ways. Look at the next verse. I should soon have subdued their enemies and turned my hand against their adversaries. God said, if you just walk with me and walk in my ways, I would quickly have gotten you through the trial, gotten you through the trouble, dealt with your enemies, dealt with all your criticizers and the haters. I would have dealt with them. But you wanted to have your way. You want, to, you want to listen to who you wanted to listen to. We ought to really be selective who we listen to. I've been saying this to you for months. I've been saying it for months and months. Be careful. Take heed what you hear. Be careful who you listen to. Everybody has an agenda. They want to influence you. They want to get into your heart and your mind and they want to put their values and their thoughts and their ways in you. You need to think more of yourself than that and not allow that. And you say, really? Well, you can have that. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm not going with the trends. I'm not going with the fads. And you can't cancel me. Because if the Lord be for you, my God in heaven, who could be against you? Amen. Now, I'm going to start to begin to close. I won't go back and read. I could read Matthew 8 and Mark 4. We won't because we read them last time about the two accounts of the same storm that came. Jesus is on the boat. He's asleep. The storm comes in the middle of the night. Uh, it comes quickly. It's violent. It is a real storm. And the boat is really getting filled. And in the natural, they are in some real danger. I want to read it to you from Luke tonight. 
I have not read it to you from Luke. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 8. I'm going to begin to close here. And then we still didn't get to Acts 27. I, I read a couple verses. We'll get it next week. GP, are you with me? All right, Luke chapter 8, verse 23. But as they were sailing, this is from the Amplified Classic Bible, as you know I like to read from. As they were sailing, Jesus, he fell off to sleep. And a whirlwind revolving from below upwards swept down on the lake. And the boat was filling with water and they were in great danger. Now this is factual. And the disciples came and woke him saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And he, being thoroughly awakened, now he's sleeping. I mean, he is just taking it easy. He's already said, by the way, let us go to the other side. That's all he had to say. Do you think that he knew a storm was coming? I do. Do you think it mattered to him? Because he'd already said what they were going to do. They're going to go to the other side. And he being thoroughly awakened, censored, hmm, and blamed. <laughs> now they're blaming him and, re and rebuked the wind and the raging waves and they ceased and there came a calm. And he said to them, where or why are you so fearful? Now, if he asks that question, then, it, then it, it is pretty obvious. He's, his, his thinking to them is you should not be. Why are you so fearful? And they're thinking, the boat, <laughs> it's about full of water. Then he asks him a second question. Where is your faith, your trust, confidence in me, in my veracity, in my integrity? So these two questions he asked them are being asked of us tonight. Why are you so fearful? Where's your faith? And I want to show you now the great difference that has taken place since Jesus has appeared on the earth. In the Old Testament, they cried out to God for help and God helped them. And the Bible says, and he, he sent his word and delivered them and he delivered them out of them all. But now that Jesus has come and he's opened their eyes up to who they are and what they're capable of and what faith can do, he expects them to deal with the storm. Something has changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament, where now Jesus is saying, listen, it might have worked like this back here, but they didn't know anything like, like you've been taught. They didn't have all the information you have. They didn't know anything about words and confession and the power of faith and the authority, but you do. And I'm telling you, why are you waking me up? Why didn't you deal with the storm? That's where he's still at today. 
I see a lot of people come to church here. I love everybody. I love everybody desperately. Man, I love folks. I mean, it's my, it's, it's, it's my, it's my strength and it's also my weakness because it bites me on the butt a lot of times because I love people. And, you know, you, you do, Pastor Ginger and I, you know, we'll pour our heart and life into some people. And, and I'm telling you this, most of the people left this church over the years are the ones we poured our life in the most. Things that we did for them, you don't even know we did. Time that we gave them, uh, opportunities we gave them, took them on trips, paid for all kinds of stuff for them, loved on them, was there for their family, you know. Look, look was, was there, uh, uh, married some of them, dedicated their babies, baptized their family, buried their loved ones, preached the word, and, and then, you know, you, but, but, but what, I, what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is, we, we're at a point now where we, we've got to quit. God, God expects us to take charge. Where's your faith? Why are you fearful? There's no need to be. He said, will I help you? I'm the Lord of heaven. Can I send angels? Of course I can. But really, the first thing that should happen when you get in a storm is you ought to deal with it first. You shouldn't call on me first. You should take your faith and your authority and your words and you go after that thing. And then if it's a little more than you can handle, you ask God's, you ask for God's help. He'll come and help you. You get other believers, but you've got to deal with it. How many of you can see that? Now, if you don't see this, you will spend your life angry at God disappointed at God because he didn't do, do anything. Why did God let this happen? Why didn't God do something? Why doesn't God stop this from happening? I tell you what, everything bad happens to us. Where are you at, God? I go to church. And God is saying, where is your faith? Why are you so fearful? Take charge over this thing. Take authority over this thing. Call this thing out. Amen. I've been speaking the word over my family for, you know, I've got my kids now are in their 40s, except for Rachel. We got two adult kids in their 40s and Rachel, uh, you know, in her 30s. And then we got two granddaughters that are in their 20s. And then we got grandkids that go, uh, we have other grandkids that go down to Janelle's age that are 11. And then we got four great grandkids and I call their name out every day before God. But I, I don't just call their name and I say in the name of Jesus. Lord, you said in Psalms 112 that my seed will be mighty on the earth. And my seed will be mighty on this earth. Even if I don't see it in my lifetime, it doesn't matter because words are eternal. Some people think when you die, you know, your prayers are done. No, they're not. The Bible says there's a vowel in heaven where God has all the prayers. And if you prayed something in faith, you could transfer into heaven and your prayers still be working on the earth while you're in heaven. Amen. Can you see this? So over here in the Old Testament, God help us, God help us, God help us. Oh God, you did it. Well, first thing you got to do is straighten out that God didn't do it. But then God help us and God of course did. But over here, Jesus is saying, now wait a minute. It's time for you to start dealing with some of your storms. Jesus knew something. In about another couple of years, he wasn't going to be with them anymore. 
He wasn't going to be on all the boats of their life physically. They were going to be out in other boats and other storms at other times when he wouldn't physically be on that boat. You better learn how to speak to that storm. You better learn how to take authority. You better learn how to have some faith. Otherwise, you'll go down and then you know what's going to happen? You're going to blame God. Where was God? I'm a Christian. I'm a good person. I go to church, pay my tithe. Where was God at? And you're going to fall all the way back from here, all the way back to an Old Testament saint that wasn't even redeemed by the blood yet. How many of you can see this? But look what would happen. You know what I, I wish? I would love to, I wish there was a, another story. I wish there was, a, and we will read it out of, really we'll read it. Paul really did it. But wouldn't it have been cool that when that whirlwind came down and that storm hit that boat that night, that all the disciples said, what? No, I command you by the authority we have by the Lord we serve. You go, you cease, you desist. In the, and I don't know if they said in the name of Jesus, but in the name of our God, stop, peace. And we would have read that story. They would have gotten to the other side and then they said, hey, Jesus, uh, we're here on the other side now. You ready to get off the boat? Wouldn't it have been cool if they hadn't had to bother him? They hadn't had to awaken him and shake him up. See, I, I, w- I would have been to the point in my life, and I'm not telling you I'm there all the time, but, the, but I'm striving to get there, that every time there's a storm, I don't have to go belly aching to God when God's going, I gave you my word. I gave you my spirit. <laughs> I gave you, uh, gave you faith. I gave you the, everything, the, the whole armor of God. I, I mean, I've given you my blood. I've given you my name. Could you please... Use it. <laughs> Can you shout amen? amen? We're going to start winning battles. Amen. Now, there are going to be times you're going to need to call on the name of the Lord. You're going to have to have his help because things, things might get a little beyond where your faith has grown to. And God's okay with that. But I tell you something about faith. It's, it's really strange. The more you use it, the bigger it gets. I don't go to God with a lot of stuff anymore because I know I have enough faith to believe. I don't go to God with financial problems ever, ever. That's because you got a lot of money. No, no, no. I've got a lot of faith for money. I just believe God's going to take care of me. One way or the other, God will do it. So I'm not going to sit around all day wringing my hands over whether I'm going to have enough money or not. I'll just believe God and God will bring it. I got to use it for stuff like helping people get well and helping people get through crises and stuff like that. That's where I, 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 my faith needs to be applied to things where I'm going to have to have some intervention from God to help too. Amen. Did you get anything out of this tonight? Come on, give the Lord a shout. Go ahead and stand up, stand up, stand up tonight. Say out loud, say my faith is bigger than I think it is. It is designed to come alive, to arise and erupt in the storm. Father, I thank you that you're there if I need help, but you've already given me tools and weapons that are effective in the storm. I will use them. I'll not listen to the world. I'll not take their path. I'll not take their counsel. I'll walk with you and I'll have victory in everything I do. In Jesus' name, give the Lord a good shout again. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, 
Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.